So, hello there. If you are listening to this, then I guess this must be the pilot for the Elliott Church of Natick, Massachusetts, um, occasional podcast. Uh, this is Adam. Um, if you're listening to this, you probably know me. I'm sitting here in front of my computer and my microphone with the last of my coffee for the morning. It's a Saturday and I am mostly just trying to figure out how things work as a potential extra way to reach out to people. But um, that's not really what I want to talk about right now. I wanted to talk about our current sort of winter to spring project, which we started by calling it listening circles, but circle just sounded like, I don't know, a little bit, a little bit uh, touchy feely for us at Elliot. So we're going to call them listening groups instead. And there's a reason why we decided to do this. It's a bit of a project, of course, during the pandemic, because we have to do it on zoom, at least for now. And, you know, it's, it's a, it's a, it's an obligation. It's another thing on our calendars um, at a time when sometimes, you know, even if we don't have anything on our calendars, it feels like a lot. So, uh, and of course, most of us are also really busy. So, you know, there is a reason though. And I just wanted to talk about that a little bit and talk about the guiding questions for these groups. So one of the things that I've been thinking a lot about lately has been the future, not just of our church, but of churches in general. Um, we're all familiar, of course, with the pandemic. Everyone in the world is familiar with the pandemic. And a lot of the things that we see in that, um, where we worry about the sort of forces and stresses on our institution or other institutions as well, not just churches, but businesses, um, certainly the government, in many cases, schools, obviously. These forces are not new. They're things that we think of as being new because maybe we didn't have to think about them quite as hard before now, but they're really things that were already going on. So we'll take churches for an example. In the church, for as long as I've been a minister, and really for as long as I've been alive, so for half a century, there's been this sort of strain around church attendance and the the slow decline of the number of people who go to worship, um, whether it's on Sunday morning or Saturday or Friday or Wednesdays, um, pretty much any time that there's a, a designated worship service, there tends to be fewer people than people remember um, attending. And there's a number of reasons for that. You know, when I first started, everyone always complained about sports, and the idea that somehow all these youth sports events were 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 draining, um, draining the resource pool uh, for for congregations, um, kids obviously, uh, but also parents who are coaching or bringing the little um, orange wedges or whatever it is. But it wasn't really sports, and it wasn't really the other extracurriculars. Um, you know, life changes and, and our culture changes. And well, I take that back a little bit. I mean, it was those things, 
but it was also the inability of certain institutions, including the church, to adapt to just the flowering of opportunities for many people, adapt to the the fact of life, which is that we can travel farther than we used to be able to, and we can summon things down um, from what feels like the air into our phones and play music or watch movies. Um, and we try a lot of the time to defend our turf, right? We, uh, we complain about youth sports not accommodating um, houses of worship, or we complain about the um, theater club doing the same thing. Um, sometimes we ignore the, those sorts of pressures entirely, and we say, well, you know, if only the sermons were better or the music was better, or if we did this one thing on Wednesday, or if we all attended more frequently ourselves, then this would just go away, you know, that we could we are, our temptation is to sort of fight back and do so in a way that ignores the very real shifts that we've had in our culture. Now, what has accelerated that, of course, is the pandemic. Um, now we're all in this period of flux, and we don't know what's going to happen in the future around church or around businesses or around, you know, just about anything. And we're starting to recognize things that were already going on. Yes, you know, I think we'd all agree, or most of us would agree anyway, that in-person worship, for example, is just better. It's more meaningful in a lot of ways than virtual worship. But the fact is, virtual worship is also a lot more convenient. And when you look at the attendance, we'll use scare quotes around that, the attendance at worship, for our church, it's up by quite a bit compared to what it was before because people can roll out of bed and turn on the computer and grab their coffee and their Cheerios, or they can wait until Tuesday when they have a few minutes and then they can watch the service. So we're moving into a world that we have now, thanks to, uh, it's hard to say thanks to the pandemic, but um, thanks to the current situation, we're moving into a world that we have to recognize. We have to recognize that the world is changing. And at the same time, we have to recognize that when we return to, you know, um, quote unquote, normal, which won't really be what was um, in the past, but what will be, um, when we return to that, those opportunities of coming back together, we need to be ready to adjust in ways that we have not adjusted in the past. Um, ways that we probably should have adjusted in the past, but we didn't because we were still sort of fighting the old fight of the 20th century, of the last 50 years at least. Um, again, trying to hold on to the territory of houses of worship. So one of the things that we're doing at church is we're trying to go back all the way back to the sort of original questions of why we would join a house of worship um, ourselves as individuals. Um, you know, 
one of the things that we're giving up now is the idea that people have to go to church. Um, culturally, that was still sort of a thing, I guess, when I, you know, I was born in the early 1970s. Um, the idea that people should feel an obligation, that expectation. And we have to look at why we go still, like why we choose to do this. One of the things that's happened over the 20th century is at the beginning, it was considered the respectable thing to belong to some kind of house of worship, which meant that a lot of people who just wanted to be respectable um, attended church or whatever their tradition was, but may not have really wanted to be there. It's, uh, you know, one of the silver linings of this lower attendance is that only the people who want to be there are there. And um, that's something to build on if we understand why we're there. So that's sort of the idea. And again, I said we were calling them listening circles and it just felt a little too, I don't know, woo-woo. So we're going with groups, which is a much more descriptive term anyway. And the goal is to have these small groups of people, really ideally five people, four folks who are chatting and one person on staff, usually me, to take notes and, and you know, keep the conversation going when necessary. And to have those groups just listen to each other now, hence the name, um, to see what our motivations are, where they overlap and where they are different. Now, this is a first step, right? Later on, once we have a sense of why we're there, we can talk about what our congregation, what our community should look like in the aftertimes of the pandemic. But the first thing is to really understand our motivations. And in that way, it's actually, um, it's not unlike, say, a church start, a new church start. We are all starting again. Every, like I said in my sermon on Sunday, every house of worship in the world has been in survival mode for a year now. And now we all have to figure out how to thrive. And part of that is starting again. Even if we've got resources, even if we've got buildings and an endowment, we're still making a new thing. And uh, you start by figuring out who's there and why they're there. So I've got these questions. Um, which hang on, I need to, I need a coffee. I've got these questions that, um, my intern Tara Humphreys and I came up with, uh, for this, this project and which we've actually already used. We had a staff meeting to discuss them. And the idea of them is to sort of walk people into thinking about these things in a way that that is, I want to say self-centered, but centered on the self, right? Self-centered usually means something different. And so here are the questions. Question number one, and I'll just sort of answer them a little bit for myself as we go along. Question number one is, how has this past year been for you personally? How has this past year been for you personally? Um, the reason for this is, again, we're trying to figure out why we're here, why we gather, why we are the Elliott Church, as opposed to figuring out what we should be, which is a little bit cart before the horse. 
And so for me, this past year has been quite a scene. Um, I Right around the time that the pandemic started, in fact, this is the 13th of February, and so this is uh, almost a year ago to the day, I injured my back. And over the course of three or four months, it got worse and worse and worse until I was basically just curled up on the floor. Um, another one of the weird pandemic good things, I guess, was that I was able to film all my worship from home, um, which is a good thing because I was basically lying down in front of the camera the rest of the time. Um, and that eventually led into a surgery, which I'm still rehabbing from today. Um, other things happened too, right? There was the pandemic and all the things that everybody had to deal with around that. Um, my wife is now working from home in the in what is our bedroom at night. My kids have been virtual students and then not, and then back and forth. Um, and my oldest, who's a college graduate, is living at the house. And, you know, like everybody, we're trying to, as a family, um, meander our way, maneuver our way through this time in, in a way that feels effective, even though a lot of the time it's stressful, a lot of the time it's tedious. And, um, you know, there doesn't seem to be a lot of clear answers. And the other thing that I've been thinking about this year personally has been um, the crisis, the political crisis, the insurgents, the, uh, the, the trial for the second impeachment of, of Donald Trump, and dealing with a lot of the same things that everybody's dealing with with that as well. Um, a lot of anger, a lot of disappointment, a lot of sadness about the direction of this country and our culture that we can't seem to to shake the 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 demon of systemic racism we just keep carrying it with us and acting out at times many of you know i'm from a family of public servants and so i do i do take these things to heart a lot of the time and politicians i think of politicians as public servants i guess not everyone does you know, this has been a blow to my sense of the country and my sense of self as well. But I will say there's been some other things, right? I mean, in all these strains and weights for me, I have found myself to be more determined um, around a lot of things, including, you know, things about figuring out what the church will be like in the future, uh, but also family, um, my own personal life and development, and I've found that to be, um, I've been pleased. I've been to feel strengthened in this time of adversity as opposed to weakened. Although sometimes I feel weakened too, to be clear. Um, I think we all do. So that's just a little nutshell there. And that leads into the next question, which is what gave you solace or spiritually nourished you this past year? What gave you solace or spiritually nourished you this past year? With all the stresses we have on us, you know, we've tried to find ways to release that stress, you know, with all the depression um, and darkness in our lives, um, we've tried to find ways to, to connect um, our hearts, our souls, um, and to find love and light in the world. And for me, 
This has been a few things. Um, most of you know I love role-playing games, um, tabletop role-playing games more than video games, although those are fun too. Um, and I've been doing a lot of that. Um, I've been playing a lot more music. Um, I am an indifferent amateur musician, but have enjoyed delving into just sort of the mechanics of music, the theory behind it. And then failing to execute it only makes me more amazed by the people who can do it. It's made me enjoy music more. My family, not just the one that I live with every day, who have been a source of support to me this year, um, but also my, my extended family has been a source of support. I have enjoyed the Zoom meetings with people that normally I would see maybe once a year, um, sometimes once every two years. And now, yes, their faces are in two dimensions and the, 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 the sound is a bit laggy sometimes, but at the same time, they are also present and we get to talk about things in an intentional way that um, otherwise we might not have, or if we had, we might not have remembered or valued the way that we do now. So those are the things that nourished me. Obviously, another one was my job, um, the church, and the sort of cycle of, of my week, which is built around spiritual things. I mean, partly it's my job, but, but, but partly it's also my nature, um, studying scripture, um, the studying creation, the wonders of nature. I've been rehab walking and I can't get as far as I would like. So I've gotten really, really good at um, delving into the small area I'm able to walk around and understanding it and noting the little changes each day and, and, uh, and connecting in that way. And that's been, that's been very sustaining. And that does lead into the next question, which is where do you see the role of a faith community or communities in your life and in society? And in a lot of ways for me, that's the same thing. Um, this is where things depart a little bit when the staff um, had their meeting. Obviously, we spent a lot of time thinking about these things, and we often think about them in terms of our job. The role of my faith community is, is very important to me. Um, and not just because you guys are my employer, but also, also because of that cycle and that rhythm. Participating in a community of faith holds me accountable to a spiritual life that if I didn't have the church in my life, I am not sure that I would stick to. I think I would could easily become the kind of person who say, reads the first couple chapters of a self-help book and then extract, extrapolate some goofy ideas from that for some warm, fuzzy feelings and then forgets about it again. But, but a community of faith reminds you to celebrate the good times. Um, it supports you in the bad times and it helps you to notice those small things in your sort of walk of life um, and I do feel that that's how it functions in society as well. And not just the Elliott Church, but all, you know, pick your house of worship, pick your tradition. What it's there for is for people to gather and support each other 
Um, sometimes that's like a fun thing or just a lighthearted thing, I should say. They're all enjoyable in their own way. Something like the ski trip, which we all miss, or just hanging out at coffee hour. And sometimes it's it's gathering online during one of the most difficult times in our lives to just show each other that we care and that we love each other, um, even though we can't be together. So this last question, the last question I have is, what do you see as the role of the Elliott Church in your life? Which is a little different. Remember the one right before was, where do you see the role of a faith community or communities in your life? And where do you see it in society, if that's different from the role in your life? Um, but this one, what do you see as the role of the Elliott Church, really is where the rubber meets the road for people. Because what we're going to be thinking about after these is how we can, you know, how we can live into that role as an institution, as a community. What is the congregation's soul? Uh, we had a Susan Beaumont quote, which I sadly, um, forgive me, it's my first podcast attempt. I sadly don't have with me here, but it was in the worship service on Sunday talking about the souls of our institutions and what is our soul as a group. That's the sort of question we're trying to try to get to so that we can then feed that soul. Um, for me, what do you see as the role of the Elliott Church in your life? That is that is one that is very hard to separate from my job. The other ones, two of them were completely separate. Um, the most recent one, um, the one about faith communities, I can abstract a bit, but this one about the church specifically, the Elliott Church specifically, it's my job. Um, it's a community that I participate in at a layer level of intensity that you know, befits um, your job. And yet it's also, you know, hard to separate out if you are on the staff. And we talked about this at the staff meeting, um, the staff group, circle, listening, whatever thing. I'm not sure what I have to add there other than the things I said before. You know, this is the church community that has supported me through this time. So those are the four questions. And I think for most people, that last question can be fleshed out a little bit more than I can. Um, the other thing is, I don't want you to know what I think to a certain extent, because it's not my church. It's not Stephen's church. Stephen and I are both, Stephen is the music director, in case you're listening to this by accident. And we're both uh, members, but our membership is different because we're working. And then the other two are not members, um, Felicia and Tara. So I'm interested to see what people think about what the church will be like for them in the next year or two, not forever, but just the next year or two as we, as we become whatever we're going to become. So I'll leave it there. I'm going to, I'm just going to read them again so you can think about them. Um, it's a good exercise. How has this past year been for you personally is question one. What gave you solace or spiritually nurtured, nourished you or nurtured, I guess, you this past year? That's question two. Question three is, where do you see the role of a faith community or faith communities in your life and society? And number four is, what do you see as the role of the Elliott Church in your life? And again, we mean now and for the next couple of years, not like in perpetuity. That's, that's hard to, for anyone to sort of deal with right now. 
So that's all I have. And like I said, if you're hearing this, I guess I thought it went all right. One of the things that I'm working on is finding other ways to communicate, ways that can be, you know, that have their have different strengths and weaknesses. And one, of course, is for a podcast is its flexibility. Um, and it gives me a chance to talk to people without using my preacher voice. Um, those of you who have been to church either in person or, or online know that I get a little, there's like a rhythm to it that doesn't exist in normal people talking. So we'll see how this goes. Um, that's it. I hope you are doing well wherever you are. And uh, when you're invited, some people already have been. I hope that you say yes to participating in this listening group. And uh, that's all. Hang tough. <laughs>